Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. The faithfulness of Silverdale as one of our partners um, and the members coming and spending their time in our community, meeting our neighbors, serving our neighbors, um, has uh, encouraged me. It's almost like reinforcements. It's like I'm not alone. Um, There are people who care, who love my neighbors. One of Silverdale's church members, Candy, uh, wanted to assist our organization. She did a delivery to Miss Lisa's house, and when she saw her situation, she just had a heart towards her and wanted to go deeper. So she took some of her friends over there and they met with Miss Lisa. Um, they made meals for Miss Lisa that she can put in her freezer and have meals ready to go. She prayed for her, checked on her. Um, and that was just something that was unexpected, but it's what we hope for as an organization that church members would um, seek to get to know our neighbors and serve them beyond kind of the ways we help them. Um, Just let the Holy Spirit lead them. Amen. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Come on. Amen. Amen. I agree. I mean, and if you didn't hear that, she was saying that there's a lot going on in our country and the world and the hope is Christ, but the church on mission, it's as though you've already, did you, did you get a hold of my message and you read it because that's exactly. That's exactly right, because that's what we're going to be looking at today. It is what we're going to be looking at today, at least in part, at this time. If you're joining us online, thank you for being here um, with us, and all of you, um, if you can. Let's get out our Bibles. Um, Let's turn to um, Acts. That's the fifth book in the New Testament, Acts chapter 8. That's where we're going to be at. Chapter 8, starting in in verse 1. And what we're doing today is we are concluding this series that we entitled Together, And what we've been doing is looking at the importance of the church, the importing of the church gathering to gather as a people theologically. You would call that, I guess, the doctrine of the church. Now, we did not cover the totality of the doctrine of the church. I know some of you are deep into theological study, and you don't need to email me and tell me what aspects of the theology of the church I did not cover. I understand. This is not all of it. We didn't look at the appendix in in, in the systematic theology. But we've covered many aspects. We've looked at um, why we gather. We've looked at the unity. We looked at using our gifts, other facets. And today we are going to conclude by looking at the church on mission. And that's what we're going to look at today, the church on mission. Um, so I want to kind of get us thinking in this direction. I, wanna, I want to begin really by asking all of us a question corporately. And you can ask yourself, I don't know, individually. Here's the question I have. Um, Have you ever been in the middle of a task that you're doing 
And maybe you are uh, neck deep in the task and you're excited about the task, you're doing the task and then you're like, get kind of in the middle of the task and you say to yourself, what exactly was the task, you know? What, what exactly am I doing? Like I remember starting this certain task that I was given or I, I, I wanna do, I remember that. I remember thinking it was a good idea to do it. I remember all these things, but I'm in the middle of it. I've spent time on it, but I'm not even for sure if I'm actually completing it. I don't even, I don't even, I don't even know, should I stop? I, I don't know, man. I've been, I've been in that situation more time than I would like to admit. And I could give you a lot of examples in my life. One example, this it happens to me in my life. Um, my, my wife, my wife will say something like this. Travis, we need some stuff from the store. And she tells me what we need to get. I might even get a list, so I'm on a mission. But then when I return home, I'm missing some of the things that I was supposed to get. And in addition to that, I've got some things I was not supposed to get, right? Two weeks ago, this happens to me. Two, two weeks ago, two weeks ago. I'm like, Travis, we need these things from the store, and I want you to go to the store. I'm going to give you a list. I go to the store. Here's the problem. This is the little distraction. I do not know where everything is located in the store. So you got to walk around, you know, walking around. And I was walking around, and I walked past the freezer section, and I saw, I saw they got a section for pies. <laughs> You're laughing because you've been there, right? Now, I said, I'm not gonna buy, I'm not gonna buy a pie. I'm not gonna buy a pie. I just want to look at what pies are offered, you know? And that's, I'm not, I'm not, Travis, you're not gonna buy a pie. You're not gonna buy a pie. So I look at all that stuff and it's fantastic. You know what I discovered? I did not know this. You can, maybe it's been for a long time, but you can now purchase just pieces of pie, a slice of pie. You need not buy the whole pie. You can buy part of the pie. Costs three times as much, but the point is, I did not buy a pie. You know what I'm saying? I bought part of a pie. <laughs> and you get home, and maybe you got some of the stuff, but you got additional stuff. Like, like I didn't know the mission. I, I, well, I didn't, st- I didn't stick to the mission. And that's easy to happen, right? It's easy in life to happen. You, go, you start doing things. You don't know why you're doing. You forget why you're doing. You add to them. You do all these things. You get off track. And that can happen in the church too. It can. And so we, we do not want to be a church that's off a mission. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't want to be a church that's got a lot of pie in it. You know what I'm saying? We want to have a church that's doing what God has called us to do, not what the world has asked us to do, not what we may think that we need to do, not what I might like to do, but what has God said we ought to do. All right. So. What is the mission of the church? Well, you can read a lot of different books. I've read some. Here's one of the best definitions that I have seen of the mission of the church. It's from a book called What is the Mission of the Church by Kevin DeYoung and Greg Gilbert. Let me just read what they said. I agree with this. The mission of the church is to go into the world and make disciples by declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit and gathering these disciples into churches that they might worship and obey Jesus Christ now and in eternity to the glory of God the Father. Now, that's a good definition. My only problem with that definition is it's kind of long. You know what I'm saying? 
There's a lot of big words. It's a good definition. But here's the deal. You don't need to go out and buy a book to understand what the mission of the church is. Um, Coincidentally, you can actually find it in the Bible, and it's actually fewer words, okay? Acts 1.8, it says this. Here's the mission. You, Christ talking to the church, will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my, check it out church, witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and in Samaria and into the ends of the earth. That's the mission there. It's it's, it's the largest mission given ever to all humanity, to the ends of the earth. And so church, I would say broadly, that is our mission, our ends of the earth. Tell people about Jesus. That's our mission. That's the mission. Here's my question. How are we exactly to accomplish that, right? Like, how am, no, no, no. How am I, how am I, we, to go to the ends of the earth when I get lost trying to find, I don't know, the milk section in the grocery store? How are we going to do it? Well, We can see many ways. It's in the Bible. It teaches us specifically in the book of Acts. We see how Samaria initially was reached. And I think this. I think if we study this example and we follow this example, that we will have a good idea how we ought be completing the mission. So let's get to it. Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 1. And it begins in a way that you might not think. It begins with persecution. So let's begin seeing the persecution of the church. The truth is, and I think we know this, God uses persecution. You see it many places today. You see it in the book of Acts, specifically every time you got a Christian and things are going bad for the Christian, God turns it, God uses the situation so that the gospel is proclaimed. Let's begin. Verse 1, come on. First six words. Here we go, church. And Saul approved of his execution. Let's talk about that. Execution. Execution. What's going on there? No, execution. What's going on here? What execution is going on that Saul is approving on? Of Well, prior to this, what would happen, what had happened is it was the very first time a Christian was martyred. His name is Stephen. Now, up until this point, persecution of the church had been kind of hit and miss. Like some Christians had been put in jail from time to time, but it had not ended in, culminated in the death of of a Christian, but here we see for the very first time a death of a Christian, the execution. And we got Paul, Saul, who had become Paul, approving of it. All right, we got an execution. It's a specific word, execution, because that's exactly what happened. Well, what is the result? Let's continue looking at the next part of verse 1. Here's the result. And there arose on that day, the day of the the death, a great not a small, a great persecution against what? The church in Jerusalem. I'm just going to set things off. Stephen's execution kind of set off these fireworks. The people saw, they had been kind of persecuting. They saw the death of Stephen and it gave them incentive or they wanted more, more. And so they go out 
and they tried to shred the church apart. And that's what kicked it off. This is what kicks it all off. Now, we don't have all the gory details of exactly what a great person, persecution looked like at that time. It doesn't matter. But what we're going to see, reading verse 1, is that there are some results of it. Let's continue. Verse, the end of verse 1, going into verse 2. And they, that's the church, were all scattered. Why? Because of the persecution which began with the execution. Throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles, Verse 2, we're told devout men, men buried Stephen and made great lamentations over him. We could talk about several things in there, but what I want us to notice specifically is this word scattered. Notice where we're told that they were scattered. They're scattered to the regions of Judea and Samaria. Remember the commission, remember the mission that we had just seen. God said, I want you to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. Now, they're in Jerusalem. That's where the church was. The execution leading to the persecution that led to the scattering of the church all began. And where'd they go? Where'd they go? We said, Samaria, Judea, there you go. It's almost as though God told them in chapter 1, I want you guys to go and tell. And they said, more or less, we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. Then you get the execution, you get the persecution, and then they're pushed out, they're forced out. Now, God did not cause the persecution, but he sure did direct the, well, the, 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 the scattering of because they get scattered to the very places they'd done been commanded that they were supposed to go. And so we see that. It begins with persecution. And here's the interesting thing. To me, to me, the interesting thing in this, this whole scenario, from the world's perspective, you just read that, from the world's perspective, the execution of Stephen and the persecution of the church really seem to be pointless, Right? No point. It was, it was, it was, I mean, the, the, the speech given by Stephen was beautiful. It's awesome. But the result of it was his death and the persecution of the church. Now, you look from the world's eye, you look at that, you see what's happening, and you're going to say, what's the point, man? No, no, Stephen, what is the point? You know, that was a beautiful sermon you gave, but it didn't do any good. In fact, it did the opposite of good. It caused negative effects upon the church. You died, the church got persecuted. Seems all kind of pointless. But I'm telling you right now, if you see that through your worldly eyes and conclude that, you have reached the wrong conclusion because you don't understand how God the Spirit works, right? Come on. It is. It's bigger. God uses that. The Holy Spirit directs that. It's an amazing thing happens. God the Spirit can turn a negative thing into a positive thing. Keep going, verse 3. Check it out. The world saying, we got them. Satan saying, we got them. We've been pounding them. We've been hurting them. Verse 3. But Saul was ravaging the church. That's a heavy word. That's a brutal word. That's an ugly word. We get more details here. And entering house after house, 
come out. Any Christians in there? Yeah. What would they do to him? He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. This is a brutal picture, right? A brutal, brutal picture. You got Saul, who would be saved by God and later be called Paul. He's going up and down the roads. He's got the authority. He's going up and down every road in Jerusalem, knocking on the door. Hey, do you know any Christians? Do you know where the Christians live? Have you heard rumors of, have you seen anyone claim to be a Christian? Are there any Christians here? And if you said, there's one there, he would take them, he would drag them, and he would put them in prison, going every single house, yanking Christians out. It's brutal. It's the first church. It's a first church. It's a brutal picture. Don't miss this. Don't, we can't miss this. Paul, Saul, Paul, thought he was doing what God wanted him to do. Galatians 1.13, he even says that. He says, I thought I was pleasing God. All the zeal, all the anger, all the meanness, all the brutality, the killing, the persecution. And Paul says, I'm pleasing God. It's easy to get there. I'm going to point at Paul. Paul, that's terrible. Could I not also do things that I think please God but do not please God because I don't know God or perhaps I have pushed upon the Bible something that's not there? I've seen stuff like this. Man, I saw, man, I got a buddy, I got a buddy. Man, we're sitting there. This is when, when we were um, a pastor in Africa and all that. And one of my best friends, man, he was a Muslim. God saved him. He's a, he's a fixture in the church. He was a pillar in the church. One day, man, I go, hey, come visit me. He goes, I'm going to visit you. Let's say, I don't know, 1 o'clock. I don't know. You know, come visit my house. He was late. That's not uncommon in Africa. But he was really late, and it started to annoy me. He finally comes very late to my house. And I'm like, man, what's the deal? Why are you so late? He goes, here's the deal, man. I was walking down the road. I was coming to see you. My dad, who's a Muslim, saw me, got in his car, and tried to run me over. I had to hide in the ditch. And my dad thought he was doing what God wanted him to do. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry because of my wicked, evil heart sitting here getting mad at you because you were late. And I'm sorry that your father wants to kill you thinking he's doing what God wants him to do. So let's pray. And that's what we did. You know, some people say, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe that's so dumb so dumb Paul believed and he was wrong he was wrong you cannot sit there and say all religions are true and right because that is not accurate it is not true there is only one God there is only one way to that God and that is through Jesus Christ amen so 
execution, persecution. How is the church going to respond? We're going to get to verse 4, and we're going to see the preaching of the church. Let me just read verse 4. Now those who were scattered, that's the church, went about, come on, preaching the word. That's such an amazing verse there, right? And it gives us insight to the mission of the church. They were scattered. Now, they're not going on their own volition, right? This is not a voluntary movement. But look at that word. Circle that, this, these two words. They grabbed me. It says, went about. That really struck me. The words went about implies that they just continued doing what they had previously been doing. They went about. They continued, right? It doesn't say they got scattered and started preaching. It says they got scattered and they went about, continued preaching what? The word. That's what it says Their situation had changed. Their circumstances had changed. Some had been killed. Some had been put in prison, but it did not change their mission. They continued in their situation to do exactly what they were doing prior to their scattering, proclaiming, preaching the word of God. It's a new location, right? But they're going to do what they keep doing. They were already on mission. You get moved, you keep staying on mission. Do you know? I think you do, but we should repeat it. Every Christian is called to evangelize. Every place we go. I look at you, and I know some of you live and work and go to school in some very dark places. It's hard See things you wish you had not seen, hear things you wish you would not hear. It's hard. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, man, I'm praying for my place of work. I'm praying for all these different things. Maybe, maybe you've even said something like this. I wish, I wish God would send a missionary to my work. He did. He did. Amen. Amen. It's true. He did. You go, who, who did he send? You. Amen. You, you are the missionary. You've, you've been sent to your neighborhood. You've been sent to your grocery store. You've been sent to your coffee shop, exercise school. The sovereign God saved you and placed you. And you're like, I don't know, man. Where I'm working at, it's dark, it's dark, it's dark, it's dark, it's dark. Amen. It's got some light. God sent you. There is no place that a Christian goes where he is not a missionary. And that's exactly what is going to so happen here, right here, right here, right here, right here, right here. So we have gathered, right? And then in this service, we're going to go out these different doors here, and we are going to what? Scatter. We gather and we scatter. And each one of you have been assigned to a different location in the city, in this region, to tell people about Jesus. All right. Continuing in the text, we've seen that they're scattered. Now the text is going to zero in on one individual. 
who has been scattered. So the broad, now the narrow. We're going to look at this guy named Philip, verse 5. Philip, he's been scattered, saw the persecution, saw the death, went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them, doing what he'd already been doing, the Christ. All right. So we're told exactly, he's the, dude, he's the guy going out to, he's one, at least one, there might have been others, but this one specific, he went to Samaria. Now let me just tell you a few details about this guy, Philip, from the Bible. Scripture says he's a wonderful man. Spirit. Scripture says that he was a spirit-filled man. We are told that he was one of the first seven, they say deacons, many believe deacons, it uses the word deacons, anyway, deacons, chosen for the church by the way Stephen was one of them Philip was one of them you got these five others um Stephen he got killed Philip he got scattered he is the only man in the bible called an evangelist one other thing I want to tell you about Philip this is um uh doesn't have anything directly to do with our text, but I want to tell you this about Philip. I'm telling you this because some people um, struggle with this and um, they have a hard time with this and some people don't like to talk about this, so that's why I want to bring it up, all right? In Acts chapter 21, verse 9, you can look at it, Acts 21, verse 9, we are told Philip had four daughters, unmarried, and they were prophets, now, people, some people, they don't like to hear that. It drives them crazy. That must have been, I don't know, maybe we're not understanding the Greek correctly. Just to make sure we understand, the Bible's pretty clear. Women can be prophets. There are several in the Old Testament. We got four in the New Testament, these four. That women can be prophets is beyond reasonable dispute. Now, a prophet and a pastor are completely different, but I just want to bring that up. You can go discuss it afterwards. <laughs> but is there? I don't, know, I, I don't know what the dinner table looked like around Philip's house, but it had to be interesting. Anyway, you got this guy, Philip. He's a godly man. He's got four unmarried daughters, and we're told they're prophets and he goes to Samaria. Now, Samaria is not a place that you would choose to go if you were a Jew. It was a place where Jews were not like. There was racial tension, and there was a history of being prejudiced all around. God said, I don't care. Philip, you go there. And he goes. Let's see what happens. Verse 6. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Well, 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 that is an interesting turn of events. It is. I didn't see you. I, listen, man, you go on church, you can go on church. You may have read this many times. You go, I've read that. It don't seem that amazing to me. Let me tell you something. If you're reading the Bible, for the very first time, and you understand how different a Sumerian was from a Jew, and you see this, and you're going to say, I did not see that coming. You wouldn't. No one would. No one would. 
God does crazy things. God does things that we do not anticipate because he does things that we cannot see or understand, and that is exactly what he did here. And we're told two reasons why the men and women in Samaria listened to Philip. Reason number one, he talked about Jesus. Come on. He did not go there and debate with them about politics. He did not go there and talk to them about vaccinations, mask, no mask. I don't know what SEC team is the best. He did none of those things. He didn't make, you know, what is it? I don't know. They say, oh, there's some formula. I don't do it, but it's what? One joke, two points, and another point. Anyway, you're supposed to stack. My points, if you read books, should have a joke before and after a point. I'm not that funny. Point is, point is, not Philip. Philip walk, walks into town and he tells him about one thing. That one thing is Jesus. He knew the mission. He didn't bring no pies up in there. You want a chocolate or a coconut? He did not do that. He's going to tell you about Jesus. Because I'll tell you what, the only thing Philip had to say worthwhile was about Jesus. Second thing, it says, they heard him and they saw signs that he did. Okay, so God in his sovereignty validated what Philip was saying by signs and miracles. Okay, no doubt that probably sped the process up, all right? But he knew what he was doing. He's talking about Jesus. What happens? A spiritual awakening. Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Spiritual awakenings do not occur because you bring a person a pie, two pies, slices of pie. It does not matter. Spiritual awakenings only occur when the person and works of Jesus Christ is proclaimed period. You've never, never, never show me a movement of God where Christ was not exalted. You can't because it doesn't exist. Only when Christ is proclaimed, only when he's seen in his glory, only when we understand the sinners that we are, only when we understand the cross, are you going to see a movement of God? And that's what happened there. It's exactly what happened there. He stayed on mission what's the result verse 8 we'll see this third thing the productivity of the church I love this verse short verse so there was much joy in that city why Why is there so much joy in that city? Because the church stayed on its mission and they faithfully proclaimed who Jesus was and people got saved. That produces much joy. Not some joy, not more joy, much joy. Now, I've been thinking about this because I find that interesting. I find it interesting because I think every city in the world would say, you know what, we won't. We want more joy in our city. There's no city that would not say that. I want more joy. And so if you go to any city and you ask them, okay, you want more joy, how can we bring more joy to your city? So you're going to ask the politician, you're going to ask the activist. And across the board, they're all going to say something like this. Well, we need to identify a problem, and then we need to alleviate that problem. It don't matter. 
You know, maybe we need better schools. You might need better schools, okay. We need less crime. We need better parking. If we can take care of that, that will bring more joy to our city. You got to alleviate a problem, okay? And so what do you do? What do you do? You got a problem. You got, okay, we... I got this problem in my city. I want more joy in my city. I'm going to alleviate this, this thing. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get, going to get a, I don't know, I don't know, some sort of um, committee. We're going to start a nonprofit organization, go and get some volunteers. We're going to make a logo. We're going to get a catchy phrase. We're going to get T-shirts. Got to get T-shirts. Plan a citywide event. Get those, I don't, what, those, what the thing you do, jumpies. Get a jumpy, get a jumpy. Get a jumpy. People going to get together, get a jumpy, get the paint for the kids. That's what we do. I'm not saying all that's bad. I'm not even saying that might alleviate some problems, but I'm telling you right now, that will not bring much joy to a city because it cannot do it. Much joy in a city does not come from doing those things. Much joy in a city comes from what? Christ being proclaimed. It comes from in a city where a church is on mission, doing what it's called to do. That is a city where you will find and locate much joy. In other words, the greatest need of any city is for Christ to be proclaimed. Check this out. There's only one organization that's been commissioned to do that. The church. No other organization in any city can accomplish that but the church and this is the church right we, we've been talking about this us you can look around i'm not talking about the others yeah, churches in this i'm talking about right here us us and there's a pastor in north carolina his name is jd greer and he says this a church that is not on mission is simply a gathering of disobedient Christians. And he is correct. A church not on mission does not bring any joy to any city. Church must be on mission, must be engaged and scattered, proclaiming the person and works of Christ Jesus. It'll bring joy to our city, to our state, to our nation, to the world. And so here's what I want to do. I want to end, I want to end this way because I've been thinking on this. Um, that does not mean I don't think about other things. <laughs> I was thinking, I want to end by just going over some practical ways that we can share the gospel, that we can bring much joy to our city. This is not a total list. This is really a personal list. This is what I think. You can add to it. You can subtract to it. I think I got five. Did I go with five? Six. I think it was six. Okay. Let's walk through it real quick. First, I'd say this. Know your testimony. Christian, know your testimony. Many of us have the ability um, to kind of tell someone what God has done and is doing in our lives, but I would encourage you to know it where you can say it in a moment, conversationally. Know your testimony. Two, these are things I do, not well, but sometimes they're effective. Cultivate real friendships. Um, the other day, I don't know, a week ago, some guys, I won't get into it, they knock on my door. 
I'll open it and they won't tell me about Jesus. That's good. I'm not saying that's bad. But I don't know those guys. They would not give me their phone number. They would give me the phone number to their organization or whatever, send me some materials in the mail. But guys, I'm telling you, we need to go about cultivating real relationships with people who do not know Jesus. I hope, I pray that each one of you have one, two, or three specific individuals who do not know Jesus where you are making a systematic effort to have a real relationship with them, a real friendship with them, so that you can tell them more about Jesus. Cultivate real friendships. Three, we talked saw this earlier in the service when we started. You can volunteer with Serve the City. One of the ways to share the gospel with your city is to serve the city. This church, we, Silverdale, we have something called Serve the City, where we not only, well, we partner with different organizations in our city, our small groups and individuals. And you go, oh, that sounds good to me. I'd like to do that. If you are not involved in a small group, or even if your small group's not involved in Serve the City, we've got, I don't know, tons of projects. You can go to silverdalebc.com backslash serve the city and sign up, or... On your way out today in the hub, there's going to be some people there that will help you sign up, help you sign up to serve the city. Four, this is going to sound maybe trite or elementary, but it's true. Invite people to church. So many people I run into who are Christians, how did you meet Jesus? My neighbor invited me church did you go the first time no the second time no the fifth time no tenth time yes you know, I, keep asking ask invite your friends and your family to church to be a part of this to see this five I'll talk about this a bit but leverage social media leverage that stuff Leverage that stuff. If you're on social media, if you're not on social media, don't get on social media to do this. But I am so tired of seeing Christians waste social media. Got all these opportunities. What can you do? Some of you do this. I'm going to just encourage you can do this. You don't have to. This is not... Don't do it because I say it only if God prompts you. One, if you're on Facebook, when you come to this service, check in, man. Let the people in your Facebook page know that you're going to church. You can take pictures of church and share them, right? You can, whatever, man. People see, people see that you're at church. Share a personal story. If God is teaching you something, share it on social media. It's helpful. What you're learning, you can, once again, I'm not, some of the, every Wednesday we post on Silverdale Baptist Church this message. You can share it. You do not have to. I'm just saying these are ways to get it out there. Leverage social media. Leverage every bit of it. Don't leverage it for your fame. Do not leverage it for your glory. Do not do not leverage it for your personal opinions on things that others may disagree with. Leverage it for the person and works of Jesus Christ. Sixth thing, and this is one I use 
a lot, and I want to encourage you. Use your phone. Use your phone. Use your phone. Every one of you have an address book or phone numbers. Go through that. Seriously, start at A's. And you're like, I got 500 people in there. Who, it don't matter. Set aside an hour, two hours. I do that. I will start with A's. And I'll look at that name. And I can pray for that name. And I can send that name a text. And I do. And I go through. I'll do the A, B, and C. And then I'll pause. And maybe the next day pick up C, D, and E. I try to do that about three to four times a year to go all the way through my phone book. And each one of you have one too. And what's so cool when you do that and you text people and you encourage people and you invite them to church and you say you're praying for them. I've never had anyone say, stop doing that. I've, man, because I got people on my phone, they've been, they've been on my phone so long, they don't got new phone numbers. So I'm texting somebody I don't even know. And they'll say, hey, I'm not, this isn't Grant, but thank you for praying for me. I'm like, right on. Where do you live? Alaska. Well, there's churches there or whatever. Point is, just keep beating that drum. Guys, let me just go this way. You, church, will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's our city. In all of Judea, that could be our state. Samaria, country, and to the ends of the earth. Yes. It's messed up out there. It's messed up out there. The only organization that has the ability to bring joy in the mess is us. But if we're sitting on our hands, it ain't going to happen. Let us be on mission. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this text. Thank you for what you're teaching us. I pray that we would be a church and a people who do not get off mission. I pray that you lay it heavy on our hearts. I pray that we would just tell as many people as we can lovingly about the greatest thing we know, Jesus the Christ. And we ask this all in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a six-week sermon series called Jesus in the Midst. John chapter 13 and 14 record Jesus's final words to his disciples in the upper room. They're about to enter the darkest moment in history and Jesus shares with them the essentials of what they need to walk through them. You know, the things they needed in the midst of their darkest hour are the same things we need in ours. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. Lastly, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing at Silverdale. We really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on all our different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.